the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Seven minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, and we are into hour number two on a Tuesday. It's uh, normally Kersenau time right now, but Peter Kersenau is uh, busy today with uh, one of his 10-day jobs, I think, that he has. He'll be with us tomorrow at about 10.05. So we replaced him on this 20th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2021 with another fan favorite uh, and a guy who brings us a lot of wisdom, Jack Windsor, back with us again. Jack Windsor now runs the Ohio Press Network. He is also a Statehouse correspondent for us here on AM. 1420 the answer mr windsor good morning how are you sir good morning bob i'm super fantastic it's an honor as always to be here with you and the uh, whk audience thank you again for choosing me today filling some big shoes (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah well you know they they don't get any bigger than cursing now i can tell you that i feel uh small myself when i have this guy on uh but no uh in all seriousness jack you're the perfect guy to talk about what we want to talk about today and that is and in fact in a number of ways we're going to talk about mandating uh vaccinations for ohio students or mandating masks uh for ohio students as well so we're going to start with the vaccine part of all of this uh for those who don't know um, Governor Mike DeWine signed a bill uh, last week uh, that essentially says public school kids, K through 12, and college students cannot be mandated to have COVID vaccines. Now, this wasn't a standalone bill. He would have vetoed that. Uh, but this one did get attached to a bill that he, that he signed. And so it sounds like everything is great, except for the fact, Jack Windsor, that this new law doesn't take effect until October 12th. And schools start, of course, in mid-August or very early September, which means they can require COVID vaccinations. What more can you tell us about how this came to be? Yeah, so, you know, the bill, as you said, was uh, it was added by Senator Andrew Brenner uh, while it was on the floor. The bill originally was meant to help uh, military family kids uh, transfer schools more easily. Um, 
the language in the bill is really interesting. Not only are kids uh, precluded from that mandate, but anyone working for those institutions. But as you said, that doesn't go into effect until October 12th. The other language in that bill that I think is important is the anti-discrimination language that says, hey, uh, if I'm not vaccinated, I can't be closed out from doing what vaccinated folks are able to do. And if, you know, vaccinated folks are able to have this privilege, I, I also have to have it. That language is super important. Here's the news uh, on that to me. And, you know, we can kind of talk about some of Ohio's schools maybe after that. But here's the interesting thing to me. Again, Bob, we have uh, an Ohio legislature that is a Republican supermajority that puts this bill out. Now, DeWine signed it this time. He didn't reject it. Well, did he? Because soon after he signed it, he has his uh, press secretary, Dan Tierney, out in front in the public purview saying, well, look, schools don't have to uh, abide by this. If they start prior to that October 12th date, then, then they can mandate. So in essence, what he's doing is he's getting in the public eye and taking, trying to take the teeth out of this bill. And think about that. There's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. And again, the spirit of the law is that the legislature is saying, hey, our people, the people of the state of Ohio want this. And the governor, again, um, on his own accord, is is trying to um, declaw and uh, make ineffective a law that was put on the book. So I think that's also newsworthy. So it is newsworthy, no question about it. And the fact that they jumped out and said, it too, too bad it's not going to matter because of what we just pointed out. But the other part of this is about approval. Um, they expect, um, you know, that the FDA is going to give full approval, not emergency authorization under which these vaccines are, are being given right now, but full approval in short order. Um, I don't know if that's real or not. I don't know if it, in my opinion, and I don't, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist and I'm not a researcher, but to me, something that is being this widespread, being pushed by governments all over the country, if not all over the world, uh, shouldn't get full approval for, for at least two years to see what the long-term, at least the two-year long-term side effects and ramifications of it might be. But it sounds like they're counting on saying, yeah, it's going to be FDA FDA approved in short order anyway, so the entire issue is going to be null and void. Yeah, that's exactly what they're saying. I had a conversation with my CDC contact on Friday, and my contact told me that uh, a special group within the CDC is actually going to meet at the end of this month, and they're going to consider biologic approval for the Pfizer vaccine. Now, will they approve it? I don't know, but that process is already underway. Some people think it will uh, take place in December of this year. Uh, in covering what's going on at Ohio Wesleyan University, I've actually talked to several families. One of those families has a, a medical researcher as well as a trauma nurse. And in talking with the dad who has a, a daughter who's an incoming freshman, he said to me, you know, this thing should take a couple of years. So when Ohio Wesleyan said that they weren't going to mandate uh, that students get a vaccine until there was FDA approval. In his mind, he's thinking that's a couple of years away. And my CDC contact says, you know, that is about a 10-year process. So they are definitely feeling the political pressure um, through the CDC and the FDA. I've put in a record request with DeWine's administration. I want all of his email messages sent uh, to and from the FDA to him and his administration from January 1 going forward to July 17th because I want to see our governor is putting undue pressure on uh, on the FDA to, to approve these things and what he knows that maybe we don't. Um, you don't have to phrase it this way, but I will. It's not see if he is, but actually confirm that he is, because I think everybody knows that is what's going on here. He has taken, and this is just, uh, you know, my opinion, 
he he has taken such delight in being the guy that's quote unquote out in front of all of this ever since last February and March he was the first guy to start doing shutdowns and only essential workers can go out of their homes and so on and so forth and everybody looked at him and wow look at Mike DeWine's great leadership he likes being out in front no matter how much damage it did to the Ohio economy and now how much damage this is going to do to students um is anybody ever going to bring up things like myocarditis to people like uh, Mike DeWine? Is anybody going to bring up periocarditis, or perio, yeah, periocarditis as well, which is when young people, particularly younger, healthy people with strong hearts, uh, they, are, they are suffering in a disproportionate rate myocarditis and periocarditis, which is an enlargement of the heart um, as a result of taking these vaccines. This is not a joke. It's not, it's not something to be, you know, uh, because it's, it, it's in, in terms of raw numbers, it's not a ton of people, but disproportionately affecting young people, which is why it is so ridiculous, in my opinion, to try to demand that young people take this vaccine to get to school or to get onto college campuses. Young people are disproportionately affected, especially younger healthy people uh, and athletic people, than, uh, than the regular population when it comes to the myocarditis effects of uh, the, the COVID vaccines, Jack. Yeah, they are. And, you know, the inventor of the mRNA technology is on record for saying that. Renowned doctors at Harvard, Stanford, and Johns Hopkins have also said that the younger cohort, uh, adolescents and, and young adults, should likely avoid this uh, this jab for now. Those are those are their words, not mine. But we seem to let that slip through the cracks in mainstream media, and it certainly isn't something that Dr. Vanderhofer, Mike DeWine, are talking about prominently. But here's what is happening: uh, the Ohio Press Network was contacted um, by two students at Ohio Wesleyan University, and I want to talk about a couple of them, if I may. Um, yes, I would like to. Gabby hear Ziegler. Gabby Ziegler uh, was enrolled to be a, a sophomore. Uh, she's on the women's basketball team. She's an academic scholar. And my conversation with Gabby uncovered that she would have received around $176,000 in scholarship awards over her four years at Ohio Wesleyan. Uh, but despite her love for college athletics and those scholarship dollars, uh, Gabby walked away. And here's what she told me. She said, for me, it's trusting my immune system to do what it's made to do. I'm at the peak of my youth and the healthiest and strongest I've ever been because of all the conditioning I've done for basketball. My decision has come from one of my biggest life goals to be able to have children and a family family of my own. There are so many unknowns, and we're not sure what the vaccine does or if there are problems with that. There have been some where people say that it affects the reproductive cycle. Um, and it was a heartbreaking call. Uh, but, you know, Gabby stood up and said, hey, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound right. And something in, in my spirit says this isn't right. Um, so she walked away from women's basketball and a mountain load of money. Um, and then, you know, I talked with another one, and, and this one is, is really intriguing. Uh, her name is Jennifer Garner. Great name, by the way. Um, incoming freshman from Arizona. And Jennifer was going to be a basketball player uh, as well. She has uh, about $140,000 in scholarship money. Um, and now she's in a position where she has to decide, do I want to step away uh, from that money in the basketball program? Here's the interesting part. Ohio Wesleyan in February, February and March of this year said they were not going to mandate the vaccine until it was FDA approved. It's not FDA approved, but in, on July 6th, they mandated the vaccine. Um, uh, Jennifer actually has a, a an exemption with a note from her physician that says, She's contraindicated from this vaccine. Her family shared with me that they lost a grandparent um, and an uncle 
at a very, very young age to heart complications. And uh, Jennifer, um, because of that, is, is at heightened risk. She submitted the doctor's note indicating that. And guess what? Ohio Wesleyan University came back and sent her, sent her what looks like um, a template letter and said, thanks, but no thanks. We're not going to honor your exemption. Um, and we can kind of get into the details of that and why that's so wonky. But um, I guess the big picture of that, Bob, is that even if the governor and even if uh, other folks in the media are not going to cover what's going on, students and families are really starting to figure this out. And, uh, and they're walking away from a lot of money and, uh, and their dreams in order to protect their individual safety. Well, you know, Jack, that's an amazing story of those two girls. And, and I'll tell you something, uh, for some, they can't walk away from that money. Uh, and they also don't have anywhere to walk. As I mentioned to you off the air, and I'll tell it on the air now, a friend of mine uh, has a, a son who is a student at Case Western Reserve. Uh, and Case Western Reserve University told the students back in the spring that there would be no required vaccinations to get back onto campus in the fall. It would be strongly encouraged, uh, but not required. And then they changed all of that last week, sending a letter out to all the case students saying all students, faculty, and staff must have proof of vaccination. In other words, the COVID passport, if you will, proof of your vaccination, uh, or you will not be allowed back on campus after July 23rd, which, of course, is just three days away. So you've got a parent here, the one that I talked to, and I'm sure this is the same boat for others, who have already signed a lease for an apartment uh, in Cleveland for their kid to go to Case. Uh, they can't get out of it unless they break it and have to spend a lot of money on that. Uh, and they can't get their kid into another college because it's July. All of the freshman classes are filled uh, You know, with any of the other schools that they may have wanted to consider transferring. To. So you put kid, a kid on a situation where they got to sit a semester or maybe go to a community college and get some credits for a semester. It just throws their entire educational plan all off because of this last second change. And Jack, what I wonder is, and this is just wondering, maybe accusing, but, but I wonder if a lot of these left-leaning universities didn't plan it this way. Tell them it's not going to be required until it's the very last second, and now they've got no choice but to get the vaccination, which is the goal and the agenda all along. Well, look, what you just said, um, I can echo with my conversation with Jennifer. She said, you know, at this point she's at a standstill, and she needs to start looking at other colleges. She was accepted to 15 other colleges, by the way and oodles of, you know, uh, scholarship money available at other institutions. But she chose Ohio Wesleyan first. But now she's in, in a situation where she may not be able to get into any of those schools because they've, you know, filled their rosters. And even if she does get in, it's likely she won't be able to get onto the basketball roster because they've already chosen their teams. So she may, as you just mentioned, she may have to take a year off or go to a community college, uh, do something that she certainly uh, didn't want to do. It is a peculiar um, I did talk to Jennifer's dad, Mr. Garner, and he was telling me that in March, uh, February and March of last year, Ohio Wesleyan was flaunting um, the, the fact that, hey, we're not going to have this thing mandated until it's FDA approved. He said they were saying all of the things, and he said, you know, we're coming from Arizona. We're 2,000 miles away. We certainly don't, but we want to make sure that our daughter is going to a place that we all agree on. He said they were saying the right things, but now in July, um, they're going against their own advice and the things that they said a few months back that got them on the hook to register. But, you know, um, there it is. How many of these kids are actually going to walk away? It takes courage. And even if somebody doesn't walk away, it doesn't mean that they don't have courage. But what it does mean is that the university is going to get dollars that they may not have otherwise received. 
if they had announced this back in February when, when kids were signing on to, uh, you know, be scholarship athletes. And, uh, you know, it, it certainly makes you scratch your head, right, Bob? It does indeed. And, uh, Jack, before you go, I want to get to one other element here. It's not about the vaccines, but this time it's about the masks. Now, you know, the, the CDC got, and by the way, they're all over the place with this. The CDC, of course, is saying that if you are vaccinated, you don't have to wear masks. Somehow, some way, the American Academy of Pediatricians has decided the CDC doesn't know what they're talking about. Everyone in schools or daycares that are older than two, two toddlers must wear masks. Okay, uh, CDC said that children don't need to wear masks and and that they should be in school and that of course anybody is vaccinated. But they're 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 just kicking this to the curb. And I bring up the mask issue because Andrew Brenner, you mentioned him before, has been very busy. Now Senate Bill two hundred nine introduced, uh, which would ban colleges and public schools from forcing students to uh, uh, to wear masks as well. So he's trying to stop the banned or forced vaccination, and if they don't get vaccinated, or even if they are, they shouldn't have to wear masks either. Do you know anything about this one and where it stands? So, uh, yes, I do. Uh, they are on the General Assembly, General Assembly is on summer recess, and I think they're called back in September. So Senate Bill uh, 209, it, it has been drafted. Um, I do believe it has a committee assignment, and so now it's just a matter of that bill being picked up um, and being made a priority. And I've had a couple of talks with Senator Brenner in the past couple of days. Um, my understanding is that bill, uh, which is 209, that would um, it would prohibit, as you mentioned, the state school board, the Ohio Department of Education, or individual school district boards of education from requiring anyone, not just students, anyone to wear facial coverings in a public education setting. Uh, he said that that is going to be a priority. Uh, I believe it's uh, Bill 169 will also be a priority, uh, which is similar to uh, House Bill 248, which uh, would uh, outlaw vaccine mandates and discrimination. This is going to be a topic that is uh, hot and heavy come September. Um, I expect a lot of coverage. I expect a lot of heated debate. But look, I, I don't know how the American Academy of Pediatrics gets to where they are. Look at the state of Ohio. We've said this a hundred times last year after the um, put in place that mask mandate. It, it, there is the worst run-up in cases, hospitalizations and deaths. Masks don't work. They make people feel good, but they don't work. And putting them on kids is just unconscionable. It is all of that. Jack Windsor doing great work for the Ohio Press Network, covering the State House for us as well on AM 1420. The answer, Jack, keep it up. Keep us informed as to the progress of these bills. When you hear more stories about what colleges and universities and schools are doing to families, because you know what, information and awareness is the only thing that we uh, that we have to go on right now. We need to make people aware so that people besiege their members of the uh, uh, general assembly with uh, uh, with demands that we that we release and uh, and free people to make their own health decisions and to uh, uh, and whether or not they want to wear masks or other sorts of things. So, uh, Jack Windsor, keep up the great work and thank you. Bob, thank you. Talk to you again soon. Always a pleasure. 1024, we're a little late, but we'll come back and catch up on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1027. Good stuff from... uh, 
uh, from Jack Windsor, and, and it is extraordinarily important that we understand that there are people fighting for us in Columbus. I think there are a bunch of squishes for the, for the most part. As a general rule, I think the Ohio Republican majority in the General Assembly is, is weak. It is weak. It is ineffective. It doesn't properly use its authority. I mean, we're a red state. From the governor through the assembly to whom we voted for president, I can't believe we still have Sherrod Brown as one of our senators. That's insane to me. That should that should end immediately. We're a red state. And one would think that our Republican legislators, our representatives and senators, would go into Columbus and govern as such and unify and pass bills that reflect the will of the people. And the will of the people in this state is clear. We want medical freedom. We want my body, my choice to be real when it comes to vaccinations. Nobody is saying don't get vaccinated. We are saying make a wise decision if you want to get vaccinated. Do your homework and then have at it. But don't force it upon me or upon my students, my kids, before they can come into school. And our squishy Republican majority doesn't get it. They have enough room for veto-proof majorities in in, in most of these uh, 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 bills that they're failing to send to Mike DeWine. And some of them don't want to cross Mike DeWine. Some of them have backroom deals with one another. Some of them are just, quite frankly, rhinos and don't care about things like our constitutional right to our own medical decisions. And I don't want to hear one leftist tell me, how come you're so for your own medical decisions and your body, your choice, but not when it comes to women and their own reproductive rights. I'm tired of that nonsense. Because when you say my body, my choice, when it comes to abortion, it is a false narrative. It's not your body we're talking about. It's the body living inside of your body that has no choice and should. But when we're talking about whether or not I get COVID-19 or not, and whether I want to run the risk of taking a vaccine or not, it is only my body. There's no second body to deal with here. And I'm tired of the squishy rhinos in our General Assembly, and I'm telling you, some of them are pathetic. That's the reason we're in the bind that we're in. And I want to give credit to the ones who deserve credit, like Andrew Brenner. He introduced the legislation on uh, vaccines, uh, vaccine mandates, and he's introduced the legislation on banning masking of students in public schools as well. Some are doing great work. We need more of them and fewer of the squishes. All right, 1030, we'll get news now. And on the other side of the news, uh, we're going to talk with uh, Shannon Burns. Remember the thin blue line flap in Solon? Well, they made sure there wasn't going to be one of those in Strongsville. I'll tell you all about that with Shannon coming up on AM 1420 The Answer. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420 The Answer. Yes, indeed. Truth coming at you like it's coming out of a water hose. 
a fire hose. Uh, and a lot of people can't take it. They can't stand it. Too bad. That's all we're giving you all day, every day. It's 1036, 24 minutes of outstanding awesome coming your way. I didn't know this was going on in Strongsville until I saw a picture today on Facebook. And while I continue to condemn Facebook, and I know I'm hypocritical for continuing to use it, I cannot stand what Mark Zuckerberg and his minions do, particularly teaming with the federal government to deny us of our free speech rights and free expression rights, and they banned the 45th president of the United States, I still use it for things like this. I wouldn't have learned of this otherwise. The Strongsville GOP, this is a post that I saw this morning. The Strongsville GOP took a stand for our police tonight against baseless charges that they are systemically racist. This is not Solon, and we are not going to budge one inch against the Marxists from indivisible Strongsville, whatever that is. The thin blue line flag will remain in our police station. Hashtag back the blue. And I said, what the heck is that? And I scroll down, and I say, oh, okay, well, 14 hours ago, Strongsville City Council Action Alert. We just found out that something calling themselves Indivisible Indivisible Strongsville is going to protest at the City Council meeting last night, the Strongsville Police. So that's what it was in response to. I immediately reached out to Shannon Burns, who is the uh, uh, chair or what do you call yourself, chair or president of the uh, Strongsville GOP, Uh, Shannon? I'll take either one. President, I think, is the right President term. is the right term. Yeah, I want to give you credit, whatever the term is. Uh, President of the Strongsville GOP, Shannon Burns. And I said, Shannon, were you there at this thing last night? Because I just found out about it this morning. And indeed, he was. And I can see part of his head in the picture, so I should have known. All right, Shannon, uh, tell us who Indivisible Strongsville is and how this whole thing came about. Uh, you know what? I really have no idea who they are. I know that they're a leftist group. I know they're supporting... Uh, one of our leftist uh, city councilwomen, Kelly Kosick, uh, and and I suspect that's sort of how this all put together. You've got you've got two leftist uh, city councilwomen on on Strongsville City Council that are trying to push this leftist uh, agenda into directly into our uh, our our town, our good strong. You know, Midwestern Republican town, and uh, we're not going to stand for it. I'll tell you, Bob. This is. Yeah, I couldn't believe when I saw it. You know, we have some of the best police in the nation, I think, right here in Strongsville. We've had so many great interactions with them. They're always, they provide security for our events regularly, and, and they're amazing. And to say that they're racist and, and they're trying to use facts, you, you know what they do is that they, they come out there and they try to push some facts that, you know, of course, their own statistics that they move their way. But, you know, right between it, then they start saying how great BLM is. And they want to take down the thin blue line flag in our police station. And I'll tell you what, we're just not going to stand for it. You know, we're not going to sit back and let these Marxists try to encroach on our culture and on our livelihood um, because they, they think they can. You know, we're not going to be uh, intimidated by them. And I'll tell you what, they were surprised we showed up. They thought that they actually went up to President of Council afterwards and said, we we're supposed to be the only ones here. Why did you let outside groups come in? <laughs> So um, I, I'll tell you what, they will not be, uh, we're not going to sit back and, and let this happen. In fact, the next council meeting, we're going to fill the entire commons with thin blue line flags. Oh, I love that, too. And I, and I love what you guys did here in stepping up. What I was going to say is, you know, I, again, I don't know anything about invisible or indivisible Strongsville either, but um, 
I find it hilarious that a group that calls themselves Indivisible Strongsville is going out of their way to divide the city of Strongsville. By declaring the police yep. to be systemically racist, they are intentionally trying to divide people along racial lines and continue, which, you know, you know, uh, because you're politically knowledgeable and, and, and historically as well. This is what Marxism does. It divides, uh, and whether it's along race, critical race theory, critical theory, it, you know, it is in the past, uh, divided along other lines. Sometimes it's classism. Sometimes it's racism. But they're dividing and trying to divide, and what you guys did was show up and say, this isn't going to happen. So how did it go? Were there any confrontations? Was there any uh, back-and-forth lip service going on? What did, did they have anything to say, or can you tell us how it went? Sure. So what they did is that they had, you know, unbeknownst to us, fortunately, uh, some of the, uh, you know, the good, solid Republicans on council had let us know right before the meeting and I got to tell you, I think it was like an you know an hour and a half before the meeting we found out. And I think there's probably three times as many Republican uh, activists there at this meeting as there were leftists. That's and, great. On an hour and a half yeah. notice, that's awesome. Yep. And, uh, well, of course, we had we had members that that literally one of the guys was in his workout, uh, literally was working out at the gym, put down the weights and, and ran over to the police station. So <laughs> uh, over the Strongsville chamber. Str- yep, absolutely. And, and, and so here's how it sort of went down, right? They they got up and they, they read their letter and, and started sharing their facts of what they felt was, was evidence of systemic racism. Um, and then, you know, said that, you know, we, we support, uh, BLM and, and we don't think that having a divisive, uh, imagery like the thin blue line flag should be up. And, and you know, that, that was the, the end of their presentation that they made during the public comment period. Um, and, you know, a couple of residents got up in front of me, but then I got up and I, I just started sharing with uh, the council my opinion that I don't think there's a place for this type of ideology in Strongsville. And I went point by point what I felt were uh, where they were wrong. And, and I think where, you know, we should be supporting our police, especially in this day and age. And I said, and, you know, they, they mentioned uh, BLM and I said that, you know, there is no place for leftists and Marxists like this in Strongsville. And, <laughs> and I heard gasps and, uh, and snickers from the uh, audience. Um, and uh, I think they figured out that they had met their match. And, you know, I, I don't see us going the way of stolen. Uh, I don't have a, I, my belief is, is that you don't give them one inch. Um, you, you can't have some, you know, they try to, they try to uh, disguise it in a fact-based, conversation but really the only reason they were there bob i think was to do their first their first step of many they wanted to take down that flag after they take down that flag what do they do next right they'll they'll change the textbooks they'll throw out these and and by the way i i I did want to make a comment you you mentioned facebook you and i both have the same opinion there you know love hate relationship there there's some necessities because there's no other public square online other than Facebook right now. I totally, I, I think you did it right there, Shannon. Necessity hate relationship. There's no love. I, yeah. It's necessity. Yep. We kind of need it to yep. do what we do to stay on top of things. But the reality is I hate it. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I did. I never knew about the individual strongs, though. Uh, come to find out they support the, the leftist, Kelly Kersick, on uh, city council um, and Anne-Marie Roth. But now that I understand who they are, I went and checked them out, and they have 62 likes on Facebook. Uh, Strongsville GOP, I think we're almost at 3,500 now. Um, not, not that, uh, the number of likes on Facebook is, is definitely, uh, any, any bit of a testament to the good work that we've done. Our, our group has, 
our members have done great things. And I'll tell you what, um, if they can't figure out how to uh, get their own uh, Facebook uh, media conglomerate that, that supports mm-hmm. all of their efforts mm-hmm. to support them, then obviously they're doing something wrong, and we all know they are. Um, you know, you mentioned... I, I will tell you... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I, was, I, I was just going to say that you know, last night afterwards, um, went across the street to uh, one of our great um, Republican-owned uh, establishments, so we say, from across. From the, and one of the guys came up with an idea that we're going to follow through on. And that is that at the next council meeting, um, we're going to actually fill the commons with thin blue line flags to make sure that these leftists know that it stops here, that they cannot get one inch on us here. So if anyone's interested in helping us, uh, strongsvillegop.org, you can go there and, and help sponsor a flag or just attend the council meeting. All the information is there so you know how to get there and, and, and share your voice as well. And you don't, have to be a, you don't have to be a citizen of Strongsville to stand up no. against Marxists. No, you just have to be a believer in America, a believer in law enforcement, a believer in law and order, uh, and, and, yep. and, and a believer in truth. You mentioned Solon. You said we're never going to be like strong, or like Solon. I don't know what the political dynamics are or demographics are in Solon. I don't know, like, if it's right leaning, left leaning, or right down the middle, or whatever. But what I feel like I heard in that situation was just one guy. Uh, the mayor, Mayor Krause, who heard from, quote, a few people, not like there was a big split in the city of Solon and half the people said, we hate that flag, it's it's racist, and others saying, no, it isn't, it's, it's supportive of police. Uh, just a few people and the one guy who matters bowed down to him and said, oh, well, we don't want to have anybody upset. We don't want anybody to be afraid of, a, uh, of, of being offended, or we don't want to have anybody offended of this thin blue line flag, so I'm going to take it down. It doesn't sound to me like Solon was all behind getting that thing down. It was just one man that the mayor who made that call. Yep. Well, I think that's what happens right now. You know, the, the uh, elected officials get you know scared in their own boots, right? They they sit there, they hear racism being the word being thrown around. They don't want to be labeled as a racist themselves, and they fold. They fold so quickly, and that's why it's so important that the minute you hear about this, you literally. Stop your workout. You run over to the city council chambers and you make your voice heard so that these, and I'll tell you what, I get calls from many of our council members afterwards saying thank you so much because we didn't want to be the ones sitting up there being called racist uh, because we support our police. And that's, that should never happen. Not in this, any day and age, let alone right now. Our police are under so much attack and we need to be supporting them uh, more than ever. And uh, it, it was just, it's so important. Just to make that cause, like there's a few of our of our members that said, "Ah, Shannon, I can't I can't get up and speak like you do it at the uh, podium there." I said, "You don't need to. Just being here is all that matters." And sometimes, just going up and saying five words, you know, hey, "This is Shannon. I I support our police." That's all you have to do, because then all those council members will see you and recognize that there's 15 of them for every one leftist that that came out and complaining about a flag, right? Uh, we're, we're the majority, right? They're just no not willing to say the silent part out loud. That, that's exactly right. You're exactly right. We are the majority, and f- too often we're afraid to say the silent part out loud for being called whatever it is that they want to deem us yep. as. Well, I'm so glad yep. that uh, the people of Strongsville GOP got up in a moment's notice, an hour and a half's notice, and said, we're not letting this go unchallenged, and showed up there to defend the flag, the police, and more. That's a great sign. I'm glad you're growing. You're right, though, by the way, Shannon. I don't judge a group's effectiveness or 
uh, a group's uh, impact just based on number of followers or number of uh, of likes or or whatever on on a page because leftist Twitter thinks that they run the country uh and and they think if they get and, and in truth there is there is something to that in that there are some people who are afraid to run afoul of leftist twitter because then they're going to be canceled and so on and so forth but twitter does not reflect i don't think american culture and american society twitter does not reflect the very diverse opinions uh that are out there and quite frankly the fact that we are a center-right country you would never know it looking at twitter so i don't like to take or put too much stock into twitter and facebook likes followers uh reactions shares retweets or whatever the case might be i think we need to use it to organize with one another but don't take it as a a symbol or a uh you know an indicator of how popular our movement is we got to keep grinding and grinding and grinding uh because i just i don't trust social media yeah yeah no doubt it i will tell you though one of my first posts ever on getter uh, they did during the meeting last night um, was to uh, to post on that new uh, social media platform that Jason Miller has out. Uh, uh, I find it pretty interesting. I wonder. I don't know. I wonder if this is the one that President Trump will eventually uh, will join. I, I I think that uh, we've got a little time before we figure that out. But uh, nonetheless, I, I'd love to see one of these conservative leaning social media platforms uh, take some you know get ahead of steam and sort of like uh, uh, Parler was. Uh, before well, the that's the thing, down. Shannon. They, that's the thing. They killed it. When, when, when Twitter and uh, Facebook booted Donald Trump, the president of the United States, the sitting president yep. from their platforms, that's when yep. he joined a massive conservative movement going over to saying, fine, we'll do our thing on Parler then. And then yep. Apple and, and Google stepped in and said, oh, no more Parler on our, uh, on our app stores. So nobody can get I it anymore. T- and they crushed it. So I don't know what Twitter is. What I don't know what any of are. But we still face that. You know, we, we face the fact that the, the leftist controls Silicon Valley. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the, unknown, the untold story of Parler, though, was not just Google and, and uh, Apple. Because those are big, right? You can get around the the, uh, uh, the stores. I mean, it is possible, at least, to get around the stores. It's not easy, but you can. The real killer, the real killer was the guy that's being in the news today, and that was Jeff Bezos with uh, taking Amazon Web Services and shutting down Parler. Correct. That is... That was the nail in the coffin for Parler because once they got shut down, once they couldn't be hosted anymore, there wasn't anyone else out there that provided that level of service. AWS has like 60% of the market share. So I'll tell you what, my company, as you know, Bob, I've got a, uh, a political consulting company that's on the right. and My clients that, that we're involved with, we've actually pushed them to a new uh, hosting platform called Liberty uh, Technology Services. It's literally a bunch of Trump guys that came out of the White House that that have a bunch uh, of of DOD types that are involved. They've actually spun up their own secure hosting platform because we need to, right? We need to be able to um, provide and have access to great products that aren't controlled by the left, right? And I made a I made a comment uh, a month or so ago: is you know, does the left own social media, or does social media own the left? And well, I, 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 what, think I think they're one and the same, to be honest. Yeah, they might be, but I think the one interesting thing is is everyone thinks that they're biased. I actually don't. I actually think they're leading the cause. You're not biased if you're leading the cause. And, and once you re- realize that, once you realize that the likes of Bezos and, and, and the like 
and Zuckerberg are the ones that are driving the agenda and they're not just being biased, it changes your mindset and you have to get away from them. You know, it's a necessary evil yeah. right now, but you're right. Hopefully, hopefully a year from now, that won't be the case. Hopefully a year from now, we'll have an opportunity to use a, uh, other platforms, other hosting services, you know, that, that we're not going to get, uh, held hostage fight. That's what's happening. No, no you, Even, between between hosting services, you're, you're exactly right, hosting services, software uh, companies, and hardware companies. This is something that I, I asked President Trump yep. when I interviewed him about making Trump phones, and now there's something called Freedom Phone that a, a young uh, a billionaire, and I'm sorry, a millionaire Bitcoin uh, guy in Silicon okay. Valley created is the Freedom Phone. So, you know, it supposedly uh, protects privacy and uh, uh, does not allow any app stores or anything else to, you know, to corrupt uh, what they're doing. So, you know, we do. We need to combat this with people who have the ability to create the, the hardware, the software, run their own hosting services so that we can get away from those who control the flow of information. Uh, and that's yeah, exactly that's right. what they do. Shannon Burns, great conversation, my friend. Good job. Thanks for assembling and uh, rallying the troops to go to uh, the uh, Strongsville City Council meeting yesterday. Keep us posted on that, okay? Yeah, we'll definitely make sure uh, your listeners go to strongsvillegop.org and and join us on September 7th at the council meeting. I'd love to see that entire Strongsville comments filled with thin blue line flags because it's, it, it starts here, but it has to end here. We can't let every every city in Ohio start uh, fighting back against our police. Well, I'm not a Strongsville resident, but I may come out for that one, and I certainly hope uh, a lot of other people do, too. We, Thank you, Shannon We'd love Burns. to have you. Absolutely. Shannon Burns, uh, who is the president of the Strongsville GOP. It's 1053. We'll come back and wrap right after this. Alright, 1056 final segment is always a short one. I want to kind of make it a, a fun one, if you will. I'm going to do a little throwback for you. I asked you at the top of the show, um, you know, what are the, uh, well, what are, what are the things that Joe Biden has done six months in? Today's his six month anniversary of his inauguration. After six months, what has Joe Biden done to make uh, this country better, to make your life better? Or, conversely, what has Joe Biden done? What is the worst thing that he's done that has affected you or impacted your life? And I think certainly that uh, uh, both of those things are, are you know, pretty obvious on how to answer. He has done nothing to, do, to help this country. He has done a lot of things to harm it. But um, the fact that he's here, the fact that he was inaugurated six months ago, brings me to this. And this is how I want to close it. As recently as 2018, liberal Democrats, elected officials, were still complaining about Donald Trump winning the 2016 election because of faulty voting machines that could be hacked and and to steal votes from Hillary Clinton and give them to Donald Trump. That was their argument as recently as 2018. Now that Republicans have been making the same argument about what happened in 2020, about faulty voting machines being hacked, including evidence thereof, they're calling us insurrectionists and threats to democracy. So let's do a little throwback. Throwback Tuesday. As recently as 2018, this is what Democrats were saying. 
Democrats have repeatedly de demonstrated that ballot recording machines and other voting systems are susceptible to tempering. Even hackers with limited prior knowledge, tools, and resources are able to breach voting machines in a matter of minutes. In 2018, electronic voting machines in Georgia and Texas deleted votes for certain candidates or switched votes from one candidate to another. The biggest seller of voting machines is doing something that violates Cybersecurity 101, directing that you install remote access software, which would make a machine like that, you know, a magnet for fraudsters and hackers. These voting machines can be hacked quite easily. You could easily hack into them. It makes it seem like all these states are doing different things, but in fact, three companies are controlling them. <laughs> it is the individual voting machines that some... Every single one of these is an elected congressional Democrat. We're dealing with antiquated... Machines. Every single one of them telling us that the voting machines could be hacked, and that's why Hillary lost. But when the Republicans said the same thing about Donald Trump, they called us insurrectionists who were threats to democracy. I posted that on my Facebook page as well. If you're a Facebook friend of mine, find it. Kirsten now joins us tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Have a great day. Bye-bye.